Well, continuing our 23 series today, and I got a question for you. I want to ask you, what do you want? What do you want? And you may reply to me in the words of the Spice Girls, I tell you what I want, what I really, really want. And I'm sure if I was to ask you, what do you really want in life, a lot of you would be able to immediately tell me some things that you want. Maybe some of you say, I want a house. Maybe some of you say, I want a bigger house. Maybe some of you are like, I want a new car. Maybe some of you would say, I want a better marriage, or I want to find a man, or I want a wife. Maybe some of you uh, say, I want a house cleaner. Uh, Some of you may say, I want a better job or I want a better career. Some of you may say, I want some more prospects in life. And some of you may say, I want, uh, if we were to get really real today, we say, I want money. I want more money. Some of you may look in the mirror in the morning and say, I want to be better looking or I want to be prettier. Some of you may say, say, I want to be slimmer. Some of you may say, I want to be fatter. I don't think I've ever met someone that says that, but maybe there is somebody who says that today. All of us, we have wants and desires in this life, and most of us would be able to say, I want something if I was to ask you, what do you want? What I've discovered, though, as I'm getting a little older, and I'm not 21 anymore, and I remember when I was a child, I wanted so much stuff, but the older I get, I find I want things less. I'm not so concerned about the big house or the brand new shiny car anymore. I'm not so. Uh, I, I'm not wanting uh, all this, uh, uh, all these gadgets, latest gadgets, as much anymore. And I find that the older I get, the less I want. And when I think back when I was younger. Then I used to make lists for Christmas and my birthday. And some of you, you've got kids right now who are making lists for Christmas and birthday. And some of you, you may even already have your Christmas lists from your child. And we haven't even had like the Hallmark Christmas in July yet. But yet they make lists and they, they want stuff. And you go to the toy store. I know with my son, we go to Toys R Us. And all I hear is, ah, 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 ah. And he's pointing at everything because he wants stuff. And the young, and when we're young, we want things things and we make lists and but I've never been that kind of person maybe when I was a young kid but I've never been someone who wanted a lot of stuff like when people give me lots of gifts or presents I'm like thankful for it but I've discovered that like gift giving isn't my love language and so I'm thankful for the gift but I'm not like thinking that person is the best person in the world when they give me those gifts uh, but what I've discovered even though maybe I want less stuff than maybe some other people or when I was younger in life. There are areas in my life that I want. And those wants start to control me. Like the want to be loved. The want to be liked. The want in my life to succeed. The want to provide for my family and for my family to look up at me and be inspired when they look at me. My wants to become a better husband, my want to become a better father, my want to become a better pastor, even my want to be a better preacher. Where years ago I wanted stuff as a kid, now my wants are a little bit more of an adult list, different things that I want. And last week, 
We started this series called 23 and we opened up Psalm 23 and we talked about the Lord being our shepherd. We dived into the truth that the Lord God, Yahweh God is our shepherd and and we discovered that if we allow this truth that God presents to us in Psalm 23 to, to, to take hold in our lives that the Lord is our shepherd, it starts to bring alive the rest of the psalm. And over the next few weeks, we'll be going to go through this psalm bit by bit, and we will discover that if we grasp hold of the truth that the Lord is our shepherd, the rest of this psalm comes alive to us. If we don't understand that the Lord is our shepherd then the words of the Psalms basically just become something that many people repeat or a song that is sung at a funeral. So if you weren't here last week, I would definitely recommend going on the website and and listening to the sermon last week so you can get a grasp of what it really means for the Lord to be our shepherd. But the truth here that the Lord is our shepherd starts to transform our minds and our hearts and our lives start to get changed. See, the writer of Psalm 23 was a man called David. And David understood uh, what it was to be a shepherd. But we also discussed last week that David took on the role of a sheep. And so as he's writing this psalm, he's writing it as he's a sheep and God is his shepherd. And he talked about Yahweh God being our shepherd. And we talked about Jesus being the good shepherd, a shepherd who cares for us and won't let danger or harm happen to us. That picks us up when we fall and carries us when we need to be carried. And so David is a shepherd who's now taking on the role of a sheep. And David starts to look at his life as if he were a sheep. And David understands sheep. He understands the issues with sheep. This uh, on Friday, we took uh, uh, my son and my my parents and Raquel. We went to Plunkton Park Zoo, and if you ever go to Plunkton Park Zoo, uh, you can feed the animals. And I'll be honest, I'm a little grossed out by the fact that you can get like like a goat and a sheep and you know a llama coming to lick your hand. And I'm just glad they got hand sanitizer everywhere around that place. I'm just thankful for that. But we're there, and we're going up to the sheep, and they and they're coming up to you, uh, and they can't get enough of the food that you are giving them at all and so you look at a sheep and you don't think that we have much in common with a sheep we don't bar like a sheep we don't grow wool like a sheep unless you have a big afro then maybe you do but uh, uh, but we we don't think that we're like sheep but David understands sheep and he started to see that there was so much more in common with sheep in his own life than what he started to understand. And he understood the number one issue with sheep and the number one issue with sheep is this, provision, provision. David understood that sheep want one thing, they want to be provided for. And he understood that in his life because we're like that. Our number one concern when you wake up tomorrow morning, when you go off to work, about the majority of you go to work and you don't say this, man, I can't wait to get to work because I'm 
fulfilling the most wonderful thing in my life when I sit in my cubicle and and get on my computer and take those nasty phone calls and try to go make the sale. I'm like, I am just so full of life right now. Most of you will not say that. If you do, then man, kudos to you. You've got a great job. But the majority of us get up Monday morning because we go to work because we want to provide for ourselves and provide for our family. Since the time, uh, beginning of time, man has tried to go out and provide. Provide. You know, if, uh, if, if, if there's stories to write about the first man, you know, and uh, he would come out of his cave, and, uh, and then he would go out, what was one thing he would do? He, he didn't go out to go, like, play in the sunflowers and, like, dance in the lilies. You know, he went out to kill animals, right? And, and, and man, throughout time, has acted in a way that they have needed provision, and David understood this is the number one issue with sheep is that they want provision and so David starts this psalm up and we'll put it on the screen again psalm 23 verse 1 it says the Lord is my shepherd I have all that I need the Lord is my shepherd I have all that I need some translation says I shall not want I shall not want. I have all that I need. As I start to read this, I suddenly realize this is the most outlandish statement probably in the whole Bible. David is a human being who is wired to provide for himself and his family. And then this is what he's saying. I shall not want. I have all that I need. I mean, who says that? Who doesn't have want in their life? Even the richest millionaires in the world, they have want in their lives. Everybody has want in their lives. Yet David started to look at his life through the lens of the sheep and shepherd relationship. Now at first glance, as I'm reading this, I can easily dismiss what David is saying. Because I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking David is a king. And Especially in David's age, kings could have anything they want. They would just have to flick, click their fingers or say the words and people would bring them whatever they want. So it's almost like reading the Psalms and hearing this and thinking, David has no idea. He has no need for, for, for want. He can have anything he likes in his life. How about me? We're, we're trying to bring up a family. We're, we're, we're trying to pay people through college, kids through college. We're, we're trying to send kids to daycare. And we have wants in our lives. We, we have needs. We have desires. David, you have no idea what what I'm going through because you were a king. It's almost like we could dismiss him like somebody dealing with problems who has never been through a problem. Like if you've ever been addicted, trying to go to someone who hasn't been addicted and help them sort through your problem. It's going to be very hard for someone who's lost a baby, trying to, someone trying to help someone who's lost a baby who's never lost a baby. It's a lot harder than someone who has been through that. Like someone going through a broken marriage, it's very hard to, 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 to comfort people who've been through a broken marriage if you've never been through that broken marriage. And so for us, immediately I'm thinking, David, what do you know about once? But then you start looking at David's life life and you start to realize that David wasn't always a king. David once was a little shepherd boy 
who didn't have much in his life. David rose to fame because he killed a big giant. Then David became a famous man in the kingdom of Israel, and then things started to go downhill for David. The king wanted his life. David was a wanted man on the run. David had to run. David lived through times when he did not have people coming, bringing him food. He had to go and hunt for his food. He had to go and try to find his food. There were times in David's life when David lived in a cave. I mean, who wants to live in a cave? And then all the other people with problems in the world came into the same cave with David. There was a time in David's life when David tried to seek asylum from the Philistines. He even acted like a madman because he went through times of poverty and in need. He went through times in his life where we would not like to live through what he went through. So as we start to recognize David's life, we understand David knows what want is. David knows what need is, but yet David makes his outlandish statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The word here for need uh, basically means that I have no lack when it comes to the shepherd. So what he's saying, he says, because God is my shepherd, there is no lack in my life at all. And there's two, there's twofold reason or two, two, two different ways we can look at the word lack here in Psalm 23. The first one is not lacking any basic necessities. Because a good shepherd, we talked about last week, a good shepherd takes care of their sheep. They make sure that they have what they need. They have the food that they need. And David's saying here that because God is my shepherd, I have all my basic necessities. But the second thing, also the second way we translate this as well is, is this. That I have, I have no need to crave beyond what God has already given me and can give me. I have no need to crave beyond what God has already given me and can give me. See, we live in a culture of want. We live in a society where we are the most debt-ridden, consumer-driven culture this world has ever seen. People Credit card bills are off the charts. People are taking out second mortgages here and there. Even though we had a financial crash, you can see it all happening again because we want. We go to the store and we don't want to spend six months to save up for that new TV. So we put it on credit because we want it. Because we live in that kind of society where we want something and we want it immediately. But yet, Psalm 34 verse 10 tells us this. It says, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. Those who trust in the Lord lack no good thing. There is a powerful statement there that the psalmist is making. He is saying those who trust in the Lord lack no good thing. And so in this culture that we want and we want and we want and we want, but yet we're trying to be Christians in a world where we believe that God will provide all that we need. How do we live in this space? How do we live in this environment? Well, I see three things that our culture wants and us as human beings that we want in our lives. And I want us to discuss these wants today. The first want is this. We want answers. We want answers. 
If I was to be honest with you, and I'm going to be honest with you this morning, I probably have more questions about God than what I've got answers. I read my Bible and there's lots of answers to life. There's some of the, the biggest answers, uh, to some answers to the biggest life questions as you read your Bible. But there are so many questions that I have not had answered by God. And I can't wait to get to heaven because I have a whole list of stuff. I'm like, okay, God, what about this? What about this? What about this? And sometimes it's really hard to live life trying to search for the answers when the answers do not already come. I think if someone trying to debate me about theology and even the existence of God and they were like really smart, they would probably win and beat me because I, I would agree with a lot of the statements they make because I have questions about God. And did you know it's okay to have questions about God? It's okay that you have a question and you're like, I don't know the answer for that. That's okay because that's what faith is. Faith is seeing, believing in stuff that you don't even see. Two years ago, we went through one of the most terrific moments of our lives. Raquel, my wife, and myself. The way I said that isn't right. Raquel and myself, because it sounds like there's three people in our relationship. Raquel, my wife, and myself. No, Raquel and myself. But we went through the most horrific, one of the most horrific times of our lives. About two, two and a half years ago, three years ago, we decided to go through some fertility treatments. For those of you who don't know, we had some fertility issues and we couldn't have a baby naturally. And so eventually we decided that we would go through some facility treatments. And we went through all these different treatments and, you know, the doctors raise your hopes up and you have all these hopes. And we'd gone through IVF and through different treatments and they had all failed. But we still had hope because we believed that God was going to provide a baby for us. And then in January 2014... We went through our third and final round of IVF. We were so excited, so expectant. We had three little embryos that they had transferred. And, uh, and we were believing that a baby was going to come. And I remember the phone call from the doctor. And they said it had failed. For the first time in my life, I questioned God more than I had ever questioned before. In fact, I even got angry with God. I got so angry with God. I got so mad. And Raquel was like, Alex, you can't get angry with God. I'm like, yes, I can get angry with God because I have this relationship with God and he's not answering my questions. And I got to a place where I was so angry with God. Why? Because God did not answer my question. Why could we not have a baby? Why did this not work? What is wrong? Why are we not parents? And I started to go through these, the, 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 these emotions of questioning God. And you know what God said? Nothing, nothing at all. God stayed silent. And it was in those moments I started to realize that we have questions and God does not always answer our questions. And maybe you've got questions for God today. Maybe your question is, why did my marriage fail? Why did I not have that baby? Why can we not have a, another baby? 
Why did that person cheat? Why am I not as successful as somebody else? You may have questions in your life. Why did I get abused as a child? Why am I going through these difficulties right now? You may have some questions in your life and you may think, well, why are we suffering? Why did that person have to die? Why did that person have to get sick? And you may have all these questions and you're questioning God and saying, God, why, why, why? And God is saying silence. See, the amazing thing about this journey of faith is this. Many of your questions will never get answered in this lifetime. But you have to be okay with that. See, this is a stumbling block for a lot of people because they have questions about God. Why is there poverty in the world? Why is there war in the world? Why, why does God allow earthquakes to happen where people get, you know, die or tsunamis and people die? Why, why, why are there kids who are abu- abused? And we have all these questions about God and it becomes a stumbling block. And, and, and we start to, to believe this false narrative that this culture tells us. Well, if God really cared, God would not let that happen. If God really cared, God would give us answers to our questions and we believe this false narrative but the reality is this the truth is God will not always answer your questions and you have to be okay with that why because the Lord is our shepherd and as sheep we do not have all the answers we just have to follow the shepherd and trust that the shepherd takes care of us the shepherd will provide for us and the shepherd has the answers even though we don't have the answers King David He went through a moment in his life when he started to question God. In Psalm 22 verses 1 and 2, he says this. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. There's David in a moment of questioning God, but yet a few years later in his life, he writes Psalm 23 and he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. I don't need the answers to life. Last week we said that faith is putting Christ between you and your circumstances. And this means trusting in Christ, even if we don't have the answer. Why? Because he is God. He is the great good shepherd and he has all the answers. Yes, it would be nice if sometimes God gave answers to our questions. But when we understand that the Lord is our shepherd, we realize we really don't need those answers. All you need to know is that he is the shepherd. He cares and he's in control. The second want that I believe we have in our culture or in life is this. We want stuff. We want stuff. Our generation wants stuff more than anything else. I got asked a question last week that made me chuckle. I was taken back a little first. Someone asked me, he said, Alex, what, how many assets do you have? How many assets? I looked at them, I was like, that's really not a question you should really ask somebody. It was kind of like an impolite question. But to be courteous, I actually answered that question, how many assets I have. Uh, It didn't take me long to answer it because I really don't have that many assets. But behind that question, this is the thought that was going on. I want to know how successful you are in life. Because I'm judging your success by the number of assets you have. 
I'm judging your importance in this world by how many assets you have. And it's a false thing that we believe in this life. It's a false narrative that we believe, that we believe that if we have a lot of stuff, then we are successful. If we have a lot of stuff, then we are happy. And David was a man at one point in his life, he could have had anything he wanted. In fact, he went out after stuff he shouldn't have even gone after. And he realized time and time again that the more stuff that he had, often the more damage it can do to his life than good it can do to his life. I love chocolate. How many love chocolate? Yes, you're my people. You are my people. Chocolate. I love chocolate. Do you know which is the best taste of chocolate? The very first taste of chocolate. There's something within it that kind of makes this taste sensation in your mouth. Like you put it in and it's like you go to another universe. Like you start seeing unicorns and things and rainbows. I mean it's the most amazing experience of your life when you put chocolate. And especially when you put British chocolate in your mouth. It's amazing. But it has this thing that says, I want more, and I want more, and I want more, until you almost want to be sick, right? But the best taste of chocolate is the first, because the more you have, the less good it tastes. The second taste, you don't have that same experience. The the fifth or sixth, you definitely don't have that same experience. But with chocolate, you want to eat it and you want more and more. And the problem with stuff in this life is the more stuff we have, the more we want of stuff and it never satisfies us. Jesus told us in this in, in Luke 12 verse 15. Jesus says, beware, guard against greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. It's not about how much stuff we have. See, if life was just measured by how much stuff we have, then we would just chase it and chase it and keep chasing it, and we would get tired chasing it. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church, and in Philippians 4 verse 19, he told them this. He said, And this same God who takes care of me, As David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches that have been given to us in Christ Jesus. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying you don't need all that stuff because Christ will give you all that you need. Don't chase after the stuff, chase after the one who can give you all that you need, who is Jesus Christ. I want to read. An excerpt from a book I've been reading by a man called Philip Keller. Philip Keller was once a shepherd. He lived in in South Africa and he used to own sheep for a living. And he talks about one of his female sheep. Okay, I'm sure a male sheep would never do this, but a female sheep. This is what he said. He said, I once owned a ewe whose conduct exactly typified people. She was one of the most attractive sheep that ever belonged to me. Her body was beautifully proportioned. She had a strong constitution and an excellent coat of wool. Her head was clean, alert, well set with bright eyes. She bore sturdy lambs that matured rapidly. But in spite of all these attractive attributes, she had one pronounced fault. 
She was restless, discontented, a fence crawler. So much so that I came to call her Mrs. Gadabout. This one you produced more problems for me than almost all the rest of the flock combined. No matter what field or pasture she were in, she would search all along the fences or shorelines, for we lived by the sea, looking for a loophole she could crawl through and start to feed on the other side. It was not that she lacked pasture. My fields were my joy and delight. No sheep in the district had better grazing. With Mrs. Gadabout, it was an ingrained habit. She was simply never contented with things as they were. Often when she forced her way through some uh, such spot in the fence or found her way around at the end of the wire at low tide on the beaches, she would end up feeding on bare, brown, burnt-up pasture of the most inferior sort. But she never learned her lesson and continued to fence crawl time after time. Now, it would have been bad enough if she was the only one who did this. It is a sufficient problem to find her and bring her back. But the further point was that she taught her lambs to do the same tricks. They simply followed her example and soon they were skilled at escaping as their mother. Even worse, however, was the example she set to the other sheep. In a short time, she began to lead others through the same holes and over the same dangerous paths down by the sea. After putting up with her perseverance for a summer, I finally came to the conclusion that to save the rest of the flock of becoming unsettled, she would have to go. I could not allow one um, obstinate, discontented, uh, discontented you to ruin the whole ranch operations. Then he goes on in how he killed Mrs. Gadabout. I won't read that because it's a little graphic. But how many of us are like that? Like Mrs. Gadabout. We have good pasture. We're we're contented in Jesus Christ. But then we start seeing over here and over there and over there. And we have all that we need here. But we're like, oh, I want to go here. I want to go there. And we start searching. And then we start leading everybody else around. Because that's the third thing we want. We want relationships. We want relationships. There's something ingrained in all of humanity to engage in community and relationships. And this is good because it's our relationship that, that, that with God that pushes us further. And so we need relationships. Even God is made up in relationships. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who dwell together in community. But the problem in life is this. We start to pursue relationships and community without the guidance of the Almighty God. This is why I have a big problem with people cohabiting together before marriage. Not that I'm an old fuddy-duddy. It's the fact that people are trying to pursue relationship together before they've asked God to come into their relationship. And what happens is... That relationship will never be fulfilled until God comes into that relationship. Many of us, we are searching for relationships here and there. But our relationships will never fill the void in our lives until we get the relationship with our Heavenly Father right first. Mrs. Gadabout, the sheep, 
She led the other sheep astray. And this is what relationships can do without the direction of the shepherd. We start leading each other into paths sometimes that are not good paths. We lead each other into danger. In our culture, sexuality is a huge topic in our culture, in our generation. You have people who are trying to fulfill an inner desire and a hole in their lives for pure relationships. And they're trying to search it from this exuberating feeling of a sexual connection. And this is what's happening without God being in the center of that connection. It is creating a cheap, very bad imitation of the connection we have with the almighty God. And this is why here at Generation Church, one of our desires, desires and our vision is to create soul engaging worship services so that you can come into this place and you can experience that connection with God the Father with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ so that you can experience what real relationship is all about so after our IVF issue where I got mad with God a couple of weeks later, it was January, and in January, Raquel and myself, we always spend some time, some days where we are fasting and praying for the year ahead, for our life, for ourselves, for our marriage, and for Generation Church. And one night, we had put some music, worship music on, we went away to different corners of the house, and we prayed and read our Bible, and then we came back together to discuss what we felt God was saying to us. And I remember looking at my wife. She had tears in her eyes, tears streaming down her eyes, down her cheeks. And she looked at me, she says, I've realized tonight, she says that if we never have a baby, if we are never parents, if God never blesses us with a child, she said, it's okay. Because tonight I realized Christ is enough. I remember she said that. It was the most profound words I have ever heard anybody said. They were the words of the Holy Spirit. I know. She said Christ is enough. The same spirit that probably embodied David as he wrote the words, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need, is the same spirit, I believe, that came over Raquel that night. And she says, it's okay, because Christ is enough. Even if we never have a relationship with a child, even if we never have that mother-son relationship or that father-son relationship, it is okay because I have all that I need because Christ is enough. See, there's nothing wrong with having wants and desires. There's nothing wrong in having dreams and passions and even likes. However, when those Wants and likes start to stray us away from God. When we start to stray from trusting that the Lord is our shepherd. When we start straying, it starts to cloud our vision. So we start, stop seeing the incredible provision of a saviour God. And we start to realise, oh I want all this stuff over here. When we start putting our wants before our obedience to our shepherd 
suddenly life becomes very empty and we start chasing and chasing. I want to close with a scripture. It's found in Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul, a man who knew what it was to be in need, a man who knew what it was to have plenty. He said this. He says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ Jesus. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I've had it where I've had all that I wanted and it wasn't enough. What I've discovered that all this stuff that we want in life is often garbage. All I want is Christ because it's all through Christ that I'm, all my needs are supplied. It's through Christ that all my wants are, 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 are found. It's through Christ that I have all that I need. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Let's bow our heads in prayer.